here with my co-host Stevie D. It's Stevie D. Hello, sir. <laughs> and Stevie D, you know, we, we say this every every time now that we've been doing these shows, and it's kind of like Groundhog's Day, that we are getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. And and I tell you, I can't wait. There's no other sport, whether it be basketball, baseball, hockey, doesn't matter what sport it is. Uh, the anticipation, the buildup to the start of just training camp, practice. We're talking about practice, right? The start up to practice uh, just has everybody in a frenzy, right? And whether it be the media, whether it be the articles, social media that's out there, CBD, I, I, I can tell you for sure, I can't wait. Well, I, it's exciting, right? There's so many storylines from different teams, divisions, uh, new players coming into the league every year. Uh, honestly, I hate May and June. May and June are the worst months. It's like, oh, God. But then July 1st comes around, and it's like whew, camps are opening this month, right? And it's like a renewed vigor that finally it's here. So I, I get real excited once the clock turns in, the, in July. Um, we get outside of the – they say the dog days of summer. Well, the dog days of of, of spring, uh, of and early summer of May and June, and and, and let's go, let's go. So absolutely. Exciting. So what we've been doing, um, and for our fans who have been uh, following us out there, what we have been doing is uh, doing our top ten. We did the offense. Uh, it was kind of easy to do the offense DVD, uh, especially for the quarterbacks and running backs and. Uh, all of those players because you have stats, right? We were able to compare, uh, maybe did uh, a little plus minus based on the error, uh, but we were able to compare based off of stats. When you start looking on the defensive side of the ball, and it started when we did the defensive alignment, but when you look on the defensive side of the ball, for some reason, right, the, the statist statisticians, Refuse to keep any of the stats for up to a period of time. Hey, it, it's like it, they ran out of funding. Well, we're only going to worry about the offense. We don't have funding to do the defensive side of the ball, right? You like uh, don't know what to say here, right? But uh, a lot of what we have seen uh, and, and that we've compiled has been based off of uh, you know either reputation, watching some of the films, you know, getting some of that information and. and I will tell you that, you know, we have put our list together uh, and it's been a culmination of things that we have seen personally, things that we have witnessed through watching films, uh, reading articles, listening and, and hearing from former players and, and those alike who have followed the game over the years. The unfortunate thing is that our list is on the Super Bowl era forward, right? So. There's some of the greats like a Nitschke, Ray Nitschke, or uh, some some of the others that are out there that unfortunately didn't make our list, right? Um, there, there's some guys like a Chuck Bednarik, uh, who was like the Iron Man of the game, that unfortunately because of his era, you know, 1949 to 1962, that, you know, unfortunately he didn't qualify. But not to say that he wasn't one of the greats but just didn't fall into our top 10 of the Super Bowl era. I mean, you threw out a stat about Chuck Bignarek, you know, that he played – he was a two-way player. Yeah. And he never missed a game. He was a two-way player and never missed a game. 
never came yeah, off I mean, the field. Yeah, I mean, that, that's. Uh, I mean, you're earning your 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 couple of thousand dollars a year playing football, right? He he earned every bit of that money. Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that he could play both ways like that. Every and then would sell insurance in the offseason. Because <laughs> we we know they weren't receiving the same type of contracts that they're getting now, so they had to find a way to survive. <laughs> These guys, you know, would pick up those offseason part time jobs. But Stevie D, let let let's get into it. And you know, I, I'm looking in the background, and I see you've thrown your allegiance to uh, the team from New England by posting. Uh, the jersey of the man who knocked out Drew Bledsoe. So uh, I'm sure those in Bart, Bart Scott. Yeah, 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 that's not Bart Scott. Hey, Bart, Bart, I got you, buddy. You know that's Mo Lewis over there, and Patriot fans over there are rejoicing like, oh, the Messiah can come into the game. Not Drew Bledsoe, who was you know first round pick, all pro, let it, you know all of that stuff. No, no, it was in honor of your guy, number twelve, TB twelve. Number 12 in your program, number one is Stevie D's heart, Tom Brady. I got nothing. All I know is that that was a heck of a hit on that sideline. It was. Almost killed the poor guy. Um, and who knows that – that who would have thought that six-round pick would have turned into what he turned into? You did. But, you did. You've called him the GOAT. Yeah, seven, seven rings, ten Super Bowls. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he's uh, – Three scandals. Three? I thought it was two. Two filming, one deflate gate. Ooh. Okay. Well, I, is the filming really Tom Brady or that's just his organization? I mean, that's more Bill Belichick, right? Tom Brady runs that ran that organization. Huh. Okay. Well, you know, we're not here to talk about the past. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not here to talk about the past. <laughs> Uh, for the folks that want to know what that really means, if you weren't aware, that was the steroid scandal where they brought in all the, the players, um, Mark McGuire, Palmero. And um, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Okay, Rafi. All right, buddy. Three weeks later, he's busted. <laughs> it's only B12. What are you talking oh, yeah. about? Miguel, he just shot me with B12. That's all that was. Unbelievable. Oh. Anyway, I digress. Oh, Was that a low point or a high point? You know, you laugh at it, so it makes it a high point. It, it was comical. Yeah. But we're here to talk about football. <laughs> we're here to talk about football, and let's get it started. Um, coming in at number 10 on our list, DVD, is to those from the Monsters of the Midway, it would be Dick Buckus. When you talk about Dick Buckus, uh, you were talking about just an intense, fiery punisher at the linebacker position. He put fear into the opposition. And, and that's something that a, as a fan and as a teammate, that's what you want, right? You want a guy who is imposing his will in putting fear into the other side. It didn't matter if you were a lineman, you were a fullback, if you were a guy carrying the ball, right? If you knew that Butkus was coming your way, you, you were ready to, to, to scream and cry for mercy, right? And, and just the way that he carried himself on that field. You know, it's, it's part of an era, though, because there's a certain theme from the guys that played back in that day, right? And we talked about Jim Brown as a running back, right? How 
he would have to play psychological games. But he was a bruising of a running yeah. back, right? It was just that era of football. But Dick Butkus certainly was at the top, the pantheon of that, just for the way that, that he carried himself and the way that he ran that Bears defense. Steve yeah. He's uh, got the greatest name in football, Dick Butkus, right? It just it reminds you like an old-time name, right? It's something that you would you would read about in the history books. Dick Butkus, right? Like, you don't know who he is, but that name just resonates from that era. And, uh, I mean, you, yeah, you're articulated, you know, everything about, about Dick Butkus. The, the, really, the people say, wow, I can't believe he's not higher up on the list. It, it's really, he, he didn't play very long when, when you look at it. And, uh, and that, that hurt him as far as this list goes. Uh, again, not having true statistics. That was the other piece. Really, outside of INTs, there's no solo – Combined tackles, things like that, uh, it just didn't have. But when he was on that field for those eight years, he was spectacular. Um, and he, he, like you said, I mean, he just feared. There was fear coming in that middle. And I don't know how many players you can say maybe that started that era. Like, if you're going to come in the middle, I'm just going to kill you, right? My job is to kill you. Like, uh, what was it, Greg Williams when they had the bounty gate? Maybe they had that back then because, I mean, he was ferocious uh, in that. And he'd kill you, clothesline you, whatever, and then they get you down and, and then tell you, man, I'm going to murder you, come over here again. I mean, he was right, so nasty in a good way. Let's look at the theme. Last week you had you had Deacon Jones with the head slap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ringing for like a week. Like, what the heck now is happening? Now clothesline. <laughs> come across, what the world's going on? God, I wish I could have been in that era to see that stuff live. <laughs> Right. Oh, man. So coming in at number nine, take it away. Yeah, number nine, uh, local here in the Kansas City area where I'm living. He, he is a legend um, that unfortunately was taken too early in life. Uh, that's Derek Thomas, number 58. Um, whew, you know, Derek Thomas was right in the meat of my childhood and young adult. Right. And, uh, you know, there, there are some players that – we have talked about that we will talk about whether it's this list or a different position, you know, as we get into corners and safeties, but Derek Thomas for me as a linebacker was just unbelievable. Um, you want to talk about the pass rush that he, he brought to the table. He can, you know, he took over games um, and just terrorized. I mean, he has, he had a ton of sacks. I think it was 133 sacks for his career. He, but it was more than that. How, how much pressure did he get to that quarterback to, to then throw the ball early, maybe cause the pick or, you know, uh, cause the tip at the line because he's rushing and the quarterback had to throw it. He was just a, a menace. Um, it was interesting when you when you talk to uh, Marty Schottenheimer, you know, he, he was big on saying this, is that Derek Thomas was not a practice player. He was not a practice player. He was a game player. And he was just an animal on that football field, really the leader of that Chiefs defense. Um, Neil Smith, you know, was next to him for many years before he went on to Denver. Um, he credits a lot to what his success was because of Derek Thomas. And Neil Smith was a heck of a football player, and he equates a lot of that to to, to Derek Thomas, to DT. So, um, I'm smiling because as you say that, that brings me back to my childhood uh, when I used to tell my dad, I hate practice. I'm, I'm just born for the game. Yeah. Well, that thing yeah. go over too much. <laughs> no, no. But he was uh, he was just an incredible athlete, football player. Uh, just kind of rewrote the Chiefs' books there uh, here in Kansas City, and, and kind of really 
elevate started elevating. There were some other plays that elevated the, the pass rush as a linebacker. You know, he was another one that, that took it to another level as well. Uh, and and Stevie D, he's got a record that I don't think will – well, rec, what do they say? Records are meant to be broken. But let me tell you, seven sacks. Yeah. Should have been eight. Game, right. He had it. He had the eight sack. He let him go. Yeah. David Craig, he got a little uh, – he got a little fidgety. He was able to get away on one of them. Uh, but, yeah, seven sacks. Crazy. Seven. Don't know if that one will be broken. I'm sure, you know, when we're long long and gone, right, there's going to be, like, some guy that just comes flying around every play. But, yeah. you know, that that's that's one heck of a record in a game. That, that was I, I, a Monday night, too. You know, I thought Derek Thomas was the guy that was going to break Mark Astonow's record. Not not the, you know, the, the one that was given to him in Strahan, but – it didn't earn it, uh, but I thought Derek Thomas was the one that was going to get to, to beyond twenty-two. I know I couldn't let it go. I still can't little, let it little, go. Little debate in the household, you know, between the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Stevie D, as we as we move past uh, the late great Derek Thomas, we come in at number eight. Number eight goes to the Steel Curtain defense. In Jack Lambert, right? The toothless one. Right? I think he's playing the wrong sport. I mean, he should be playing hockey. I mean, if if you just think about the old time football, and when we say old time, again, old time going back to sixties and seventies. Uh, when when you think about these guys that played <laughs> in the pictures that you get from or the videos you get from an NFL film, right? I, you just see this black helmet, right? And here's this guy that opens up his mouth, and the, the whole front grill is just gone. <laughs> right? And then you have the steam coming out of the helmet, right? Steam coming out between the where the teeth should be. Uh, but not only was he that, he was the leader of that steel curtain defense, right? Uh, you, you think you think of the likes that they had on that team, and we went through that, yeah. you know, the other day when we were talking about Joe Green. Um, and he had his partner in crime in Jack Ham, but Lambert was just that quintessential leader. There's a theme that's developing here, um, certainly as we go down these lists, right? We talk about these great defensive teams that you've had, and they've had great players alongside, but there's always been that one guy, right? That one guy who is the leader. When you talk about Jack Lambert, you know, he played 10 seasons, maybe not as, as many as some of the other guys, uh, but when you look at his contribution, an eight-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, he was Rookie of the Year, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, you know, well-recognized by his peers, well-recognized by the media. You know, his play, his leadership uh, is part of what helped propel those Steelers to those four Super Bowls back then. Yeah, um, you know, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Uh, and it's not like you, you haven't said again. I wish there were some more statistics on Jack Lambert to actually show why he's where he's at at, at number eight with the tackles and, and, and sacks and things of that nature. Um, that's where it kind of hurts some of these guys, right? We're gonna, I think we're gonna hit a little bit of a stretch that way with some of these players, where it's just we just don't have the statistics. But Jack Lambert was every bit of a nasty sob uh, in that middle of that football field. That's right. All right, CBD. Go ahead and take it away with number seven. You know, number seven, I wish I had the music to go <laughs> around here, right? I, You know, I get, I get when I watch the film of this guy, I think of um, 
NFL films and Steve Sable and, and, and George, uh, uh, what's it, what was his last name? The, the narrator, George for Fr- Frenza, um, John Facenda. Facenda. Thank you. Uh, John Facenda, George. Hello. You know, listen to that voice. And they talk about the, the Oakland Raiders, right? And, and I think of this guy and I think of that, those films and, and number seven comes 10 Hendricks, right? I mean, he, I mean, you want to talk about some nasty guys, right? We had 10 at Butkus, right? Lambert at eight and Hendricks at seven. You know, there, there's some nasty, nasty players uh, on that football field. And, and Ted Hendricks, again, not a nine-time All-Pro, nine-time, two, you know, two-time Super Bowl winner, NFL uh, all-time 100 part of that team. It's just a, just a stalwart on that Raider defense. I mean, to me, that Raider defense in that era was, was 10 Hendricks. I mean, he was, he was everything to that defense. Uh, so Dude, I, I got, six, we got seven. He's what? Six, six, yeah. seven. Yeah. You and he wore 83. How many 83, you know, right. linebackers are out there, right? <laughs> but I know the number doesn't mean anything, but yeah, six, seven, he's a big dude, powerful, just nasty. Uh, did it all for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, real impressive career. Okay. So we have coming in at number six. Now, the Chicago Bears get get the – you're killing me with these eyes. <laughs> it, it, that could be a dead giveaway. Yeah, I look over. <laughs> what, what's happening over there? <laughs> uh, but, again, we talk about the Monsters of the Midway, and we talk about Mike Singletary. Now, this one – where we put him, CBD, could be up for debate by some. Yeah. Uh, because it depends who you talk to. Some people have, have Singletary rated number one, right? And, and then it goes on down. For for me, Singletary was a great player. I, I'm not denying it. It's very deserving of being number six on this list. Uh, when I look at the folks that, that – or the players that we've put above him, I, I think they they – earn that right in, in that spot. When I look at Singletary, I mean, there's no doubt, 12-year career, nine All-Pros, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, 10 Pro Bowls, right? He, he's got the stats. Uh, he was the leader of what could be known as the greatest defense ever in the 85 Bears. That in itself puts him up there. If Singletary isn't there, they're nowhere near uh, that, that greatness that they established. Um, you know, for the most part, very quiet off the field, right? You never heard anything from Singletary, but when he was on the field, made such a huge impact. Um, you know, he was always in on the tackles, right? He was all over the place. Uh, again, unfortunate that the era that Singletary played, they, they still didn't keep all the tackles as he got later on in his career, they started keeping, you know, some of the tackles, but you, you don't know what happened early on. Right. Again. Shame on the, on the NFL and shame on others for not at least, you know, setting a threshold, say maybe from, you know, Super Bowl one or exhibition game one forward that <laughs> that that we keep, you know, the, the total st- stats and tallies of what these players had done. Uh, so we're we're a little uh, void of that. But when when you look at it, 12 year career, 191 games, all, all of the accolades that go along with it. You know, I don't have much to say against Singletary. The only thing I will say, the only thing I will say, and this is not to take anything away from Singletary, I do believe a lot of his hype 
was on the back of John Madden and Pat Summerall, and really John Madden, right? When you listen to Madden talk about Singletary, he was in love with Singletary. He was absolutely in love with him. And he, he would go out of his way to describe how vicious and how strong and how much of a leader and how he was able to control the game. Not saying that he wasn't, right? But it was like that extra. It was that icing on the cake for Singletary. Well, you know, Singletary, I, I love Mike Singletary as a player, uh, but he does get aided. I mean, look, he's an elite company there. When you get two defensive players of the year, NFL defensive players of the year, that that's you're in select company there when you get two of them. Yeah. It's very hard to get the award and then let alone get two. But when you have a defensive line of Richard Dent, Trace Armstrong, Steve McMichael, it allows Mike Singletary to be Mike Singletary because he he's able to roam and make more plays because he doesn't have the, the offensive lineman getting to that layer where those guys are. So that really helped Mike Singletary. I'm, again, I'm not taking away from Mike Singletary's career, but I think when you talk about great players at certain positions that get aided, linebackers get aided by great defensive linemen that – are able to um, take on the linemen, truly take on the linemen and let them, you know, shoot a gap and make a tackle. Let them get to the outside to make the tackle, especially on the middle linebacker side, right? And so um, I think Mike Singletary would tell you that he was a great linebacker, but he was a great linebacker because of his defensive linemen allowed him to do the things that he could do. Now, can you just plug in any linebacker and say, do those things just because the, 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 the D linemen are doing their job? No. I think we've all seen that with our own teams that we all root for that. Oh my God, that linebacker stinks. Like he just got blown up right by, by the running back or whatnot. And so, um, and I also think buddy Ryan, uh, when you listen to uh, the, the, the football life of Mike Singletary, I think buddy Ryan challenging him at a, as a rookie right. and making him think and making him work harder made Mike Singletary that much better. Um, and so, uh, again, Mike Singletary at number six. Okay. okay. Great point on Buddy Ryan there mm -hmm. as well. Uh, we go to number five. Stevie D, this is you at number five. You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, when we made this list, uh, I'm just going to come clean. I missed it, right? Uh, you pointed out the Hall of Famer, Willie Lanier. Uh, and I'm here in Kansas City. His name is in the Ring of Honor, and he's uh, well-regarded out here in Kansas City. That was just a flat-out miss. I'm just going to be – I'm going to own it. Right. And I just flat out missed uh, Willie Lanier. Uh, Willie Lanier, Willie Lanier put what played 10, 11 seasons. I mean, 10 time all pro. 10 time all pro. Think about that. Just think about that. <laughs> Basically, every year you played, you were the best. Yeah. Right. I mean, just crazy. And that's when you earned the Pro Bowl, right? It just yeah. wasn't given to you. TV didn't hype you to get you to a Pro Bowl. And that era that he played in. But here's the odd thing. Hold on. Here's the odd thing. Only eight Pro Bowls. How is it that you have more All-Pros than you do Pro Bowls? I wonder. Yeah, that, that is very weird. Other than did they not play some games for whatever reason? I, I don't know. Maybe they skipped the Pro Bowl where they didn't have the game. But you rank on the All-Pro, first-team All-Pro type deals. And right. a 75 Defensive Player of the Year, um, NFL All-Time 100. Again, not seeing him play. Um you know, maybe, maybe you have more insight on, on the, the great Willie Lanier, but 
Yeah, so just a couple other points about Willie Lanier. And, you know, again, it, I talk about the theme, <laughs> right? His nickname was Contact, right? Because he was a notorious headhunter and just a devastating hitter that was out on the field, right? Again, I, I kind of laugh, but this is this era of play. You can say what you will. This era of play and America's fascination for violence and just destruction, right, when you had it on the football field, is what helped propel the game to transform it into what we can now call America's pastime, right? These guys, like a Willie Lanier who was out there and just destroying people, right, had fans jumping out of their seats, had people just clamoring, saying, I got to see. Did you see what happened? No, I got to see it, right? I can't wait to see it again. This guy is the greatest. And that's where we are today. You know, when you say thank your founding fathers, people like Willie and Lanier are the ones that really the NFL should be thanking. Stevie D, not only was he a hitter, right? The guy had 29 interceptions, right? Yeah. So he was going around destroying people, and maybe half the interceptions were the receivers like, uh, no, thank you. You take it. <laughs> I don't want to get hit. That's right. I, I want none of that. But uh, you know that it showed the the versatility, right? That you had from Willie Lanier, uh, you know. And you mentioned all of his awards and and all the accolades. I still just think it's odd how somebody has more All Pro selections than they do Pro Bowl. But it it is what it is. Eleven years, ten All Pro. That that's that's just phenomenal. All right, CBD. So now we are down to our top four. And I will say that if I had the theme music for Florida State, we you'd hear the drum start and you'd hear the chant. Ah, I see you. <laughs> I see you. you, you no, we your, can't even get along in college football. You, you'll get your chance in just a little bit, right? You, but you'll hear the drums. You'll hear the chant. You know, and you'll hear (laughs) because coming in at number four on our list is Mr. Derek Brooks, right? Derek Brooks is um, by far uh, the greatest Tampa Bay Buccaneer ever. Uh, He may be the second greatest Florida State Seminole ever, uh, only coming up to next week's list. We do that for number one. Uh, but you know, when you look at Derek Brooks, uh, Derek Brooks was but so Tony Dungy is, is called the creator of the Tampa 2 defense, but the reason behind the Tampa 2 defense was Derek Brooks, right? Derek Brooks had the instincts to play the linebacker position, he was technically sound, he was a sure tackler. He could drop back in coverage. He could cover cover the tight end. He could cover the guys in the slot. He did everything on the field, right? When you look at his numbers, you know, he had a 14-year career, 235 games, you know, so it means that he was consistent out on the field. He had the interceptions. He had some some of the sacks, you know, almost a 2,000 in tackles. He was a nine-time All-Pro, an 11-time Pro Bowler. He was a Defensive Player of the Year. He was a Florida State Seminole. The only problem is that he played for Tampa. He should have played for my Buffalo Bills, and then life would have been perfect. But Derek Brooks, number four on our list. Derek Brooks is 
in my view, my opinion, is the most underrated football player, I'll say at least on the defensive side of the ball, that I've ever in my lifetime that I've seen take the field. It's the most underrated player. He does not get any hype. Hardly, even when he played, he didn't get as much hype as that he did what he, he deserved to, to get. And again, in my view, I can't speak for others, but as somebody who watched a lot of football growing up, I just I just think he was been under, underrated. Uh, I think other football players and linebacker positions have gotten so much hype, kind of the point that you made earlier around John Madden uh, of talking about Mike Singletary, right? There's a lot of these announcers talk about linebackers over and over again, and then they, they start getting this mystique about them. But when you really break it down and you really look, man, that player is a little overrated. Um, where uh, Derek Brooks was the opposite, he didn't get enough press. I mean, let's throw out a few statistics here because now that we can, yeah, right. <laughs> we're getting to this point where we can actually talk about statistics with some of these players. I mean, Derek Brooks over 1800 tackles in his career, 134 career sacks, including the playoffs, C- created 49 turnovers, had 27 picks. Okay, he was a ten, uh, a nine-time All-Pro, eleven-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, defensive rookie, uh, de- defensive player of the year, and part of the NFL All-Time 100. That's an impressive resume. Impressive resume. I mean, he was the leader of that of that Tampa Bay, that Tampa two, like you said. He was the man. You take Derek Brooks out of that. He, if that play was not where it needed to be, he would light you up and get you going and get you going where you need to be on the field. He knew where everybody needed to be. He was truly that quarterback captain. He wore that C, and he was every bit of that C on that jersey. And uh, And and that's not to take away from uh, the Warren Saps of the world or the John Lynch's of the world. You know, great players in in their own right. But you needed that. You needed that piece. Yeah. Right? And only you can say that a lot. You can say that a lot about championship defenses. You have to have that key, that piece that brings it all together, that sees the field in every which way. That's that coach on the field. So when you're going into that defensive huddle and something goes sideways, you don't have a defensive coordinator that, that can talk to the players in there like what was missed. He fixed it all. He would fix it all. If he saw something on the field, he would get with those players and fix it for the next play. And you didn't have, you know, hiccups again, uh, you know, during that game or, or, or in that half or whatever. He fixed it on the field because he was a coach. He was a coach on the field. That's how that's how smart he was. He was Monty Kiffin's, right? Right. Monty Kiffin was the defensive coordinator. He was Monty Kiffin on the field on every play. Again, Tremaine Edmonds. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. You got to get that Buffalo. Well, oh, I just thought you were talking to me, talking about Tremaine Edmonds. I thought that's where that was going. <laughs> Coming in at number three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, while we get ready to prepare for number three, let, let's just talk about some of the notables who did not make the top ten. Okay. All right. Right. A little twist this week. I like it. Absolutely. I just want to give credit to some. Oh, no, 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 no. I know where you're going with it. Oh, no. We're cutting this segment out. We are cutting it out. Oh, no. We're going right to number three. I'm getting set up. I am so getting set up. I'm not falling for that. I really thought you were going to do. No, no, no. 
No, no, seriously. I, I want to talk about Bednarik. You know, I also want to talk about Von Miller. You, you already talked about Bednarik. Well, but I'm going down the list, right? Von Miller. You know, Von Miller had had a, is having a great career. He's coming towards the end of his career. Sack leader. You know, a guy that certainly was in consideration, but ultimately, you know, he he did make the list. Somebody that you had on yours, you had uh, Jack Ham. Right. And we went back and forth whether or not Jack Ham should be on the list. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was more the Jack Lambert over the Jack Ham. You know, it, there's some other guys. Why don't you list off a couple of guys that you had on your list that, that didn't make it? No, I'm not falling for this. I still think something's going on here. I'm getting set up for something here because then we're going to come back to you with, 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 with your no, list. I, CBD, I'm just giving you the opportunity to kind of just go over some of the list because, you know, in all fairness, you know, when we look at this list, when we look at, you know, who we put in our top 10, there was, there's so much information that wasn't out there that we were able to quantify some of these players to get up there. Right. No, I, I honestly, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on most, but because we're doing the linebacker position, I will uh, just because he's my boy um, that passed away some years back uh, Randy, you know, the folks that follow me back home, Randy, were going right. He he was a big, and he was a Florida State fan, big Florida State fan, and loved Marvin Jones of the Jets. So uh, I'm just going to take this opportunity to you know mention Randy's guy and Marvin Jones at number 55, but it was 54 at Florida State if I remember correctly, uh, and goes down as one of the greatest linebackers in FSU history is Marvin Mar- Marvin Jones, and so. Um, I'll, I'm just going to give an honorary mention to Marvin Jones, uh, for him, but yeah. I'm not going to really mention anybody else. I'm just going to take that, that second to talk about that. You know, there, there are some guys that, you know, you, you, when you talk about like maybe a Brian Urlacher, not a big fan of, yeah. of Urlacher in this top 10, uh, and depending on the list that you look out, look at, and certainly we were privy to be able to watch the Urlacher career, just, you know, not, not enough. And I think overhyped to get into this list. I mean, we're talking, and, and no disrespect to having a great career or having a good career, right? But uh, I don't think that he falls into that group of the top 10 of the greatest, yeah. right? And it just depends on the list that you look at, right? Uh, and, and there's a lot of others that are out there. Um, you know, you can look at the names of Shane Conlon, Mark Maddox. I knew it was coming. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I did too. Yeah, that's why I mentioned my boy Marvin Jones there, right? Because I knew you were gonna go in and talk about your Daryl Tallies and uh, Cornelius Bennett. That's right. That's right. You got to get them all in there. And then the present day guys like a Matt Milano or Tremaine Edmonds, who potentially could be on this list when their career is done. So that brings us to the top three. (laughs) Okay. All right. right. Coming in at number three, you know, I can't believe you got me, Stevie. D. You, you, you were on that one. Yeah. You were on that Every one. once in a while, you know, and you know what I did, and it's the beginning of the month, so now I'm, I'm done the rest of the month. I won't be able to detect anything. I get one a month, and that I just yes. <laughs> oh, I'm done. So you're gonna get me the rest of the month here with whatever you're gonna sneak up on me on. Um, but yeah, number number three, I'll, I'll take number three because I don't think any of us really wanted to do number three, but I'll take number three. Uh, is Junior Seau. And, uh, you know, a little bit with Junior, you know, 
the numbers just don't lie on, on, on Junior Seau. Two-time defensive player of the year, time, 10-time All-Pro, 13-time Pro Bowl, two-time Super Bowl. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I uh, never won a Super Bowl. He, Some say he may have lost that Super Bowl for the Patriots calling that one defense. But, uh, uh, you know, he won the 92 defensive player of the year, almost 1,900 tackles. He had his sacks, is Junior Seau. Um, again, I, I am personally, and I think you'd say the same thing, I am not an overall big junior guy. Uh Maybe it's because the Jets passed on him in the draft. He was vocal of saying that I'm going to make the Jets pay every time I'm on the field because we didn't draft him. Um, he was, he was oh, very vocal. Really say that? Yes, he was very vocal uh, about the Jets passing on him and that he wanted to show the Jet organization that uh, you made a mistake. Um, and so, uh, again, uh, unbelievable career. Uh, it, it's a shame, you know, what happened to him. Uh, uh, you know, after football, but on the football field, you know, for his size, he, he, he was very, very good. And, and I thought, you know, when he went to the Patriots there, it, it brought a little bit back to him to kind of play on a team that would get to the playoffs. Um, but juniors is, is number three. So, you know, you, you made a statement early on uh, when talking about Seau um, and what's interesting, uh, neither you nor I, um, had Seau in in that spot, right? Um, but you you can't deny what what he did as a player. You can't deny it. I, what he I meant for that city, and, and I know it's not a statistic, but what he meant to Sandy because Sandy had some lean football years there, and then yeah. Junior just energized that whole fan base. Really, uh, really did kind of brought football back to San Diego at that time. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it, it, you you look at his stats. His stats are, are ridiculous. So first of all, the guy played twenty seasons. Right? Let's think about this. The average for you know, especially the guys on our list, but the average for that linebacker position uh, with greatness is thirteen years. He played seven more uh, on the average, right, than everybody else. He he had um, almost two thousand tackles. You're talking about a ten time All Pro, twelve time Pro Bowler. Um, he was just a sure tackle and, and uh, you know, everything about him just exuded football, right? He, he was just a football player, right? Very smart guy, very instinctive, where to go and to make the tackles. Um, certainly he was a leader uh, on the defenses that he played on, uh, you know, played for, you know, your, your favorite player scene. Uh, and so, <laughs> I just, you know, I, at some point I'll stop. But not right now. It just feels so good. <laughs> it just feels so good. So that, that's Junior Seau. Uh, now we come into our top two, and everybody knows that it's kind of a coin flip here, right? Maybe. I don't, I, don't, I think this one is a little easier than when we were doing the defense alignment, right? And so when we look at No, I didn't see that one coming. I did not see that one coming. When we talk about, oh, there's a, one of the greats from the Buffalo Bills history in Cornelius Bennett, uh, but he's not number two on our list. There's number two. <laughs> Ray Lewis. Yeah, you got your chance. We're the you. Yeah, Derek, Derek gave us some love there with the uh, Florida State Seminoles and – 
there you have Ray Lewis. It, it's obvious who's number one, right? <laughs> I mean, it's quite obvious who is number one. And when we try to debate this, when you try to look at it, I mean, it, it's, as, it's as clear as day. The unfortunate thing is if this guy wasn't sitting there at number one, Ray Lewis is by far the greatest linebacker ever, right? And, and we can almost talk about them both simultaneously, right? Because you, could, yeah. you, have, you have to, right? When when you look at uh, what Lawrence Taylor did, right, uh, on the football field, what uh, Lawrence Taylor was the complete game changer, right? We talk about, like when we were talking about the Hall of Fame, we talk about how teams – prepare specifically for an individual, right? How that individual changes the way that the, the position is played and how the game is played, right? Lawrence Taylor was all of that. But yet when you look at a Ray Lewis, right? And the, and maybe this is good for our debate here, Steve. Yeah, yeah. When you look at Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis didn't change the game per se, right? He just improved upon those that had come before him, right? We talk about the Singletaries. We talk about the Budkiss, right? You talk about the Hendricks. He was all of that, right? You talk about the Derek Brooks, even though they kind of played in a combined era, right? But, you know, he, he, he improved upon the leadership on the field. He improved upon being able to know exactly what the safeties were doing, what the corners were doing, putting those guys in the right position. He knew what his other linebacking mates were doing and putting them in the right position. He knew what the defensive line was doing. Heck, he knew what the offense was doing right, to put these guys in a position against that. Right, So it wasn't just pure physical. It wasn't just his ability to get from A to B. It was him in his mind being able to notice everything. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Um... Uh, are we are we just going to strictly talk about Ray and then get into Lawrence, or we're going to how do you hey, want to do however it? you okay. want to do it? I, okay. I, think it's it, I mean, they're so they're so close. Um, you know, the field general of Ray Lewis, his speed side to side, and hunting down the and the running backs. I mean, when you think about his he 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 was so fast for his size, and how he can cover that field was truly um, was something special to watch. And I, I didn't watch Ray Lewis every game, right? But I got to watch him a couple of times on prime time and in the playoffs, you got to watch how really how great he was uh, and how quick he was uh, reading the defense and where to go. And just when he was in on a tackle, he made that tackle. He yeah. wasn't getting blown up. It didn't matter. He was making that. He didn't need any help. He didn't need two or three people to come in and help him make a tackle. He He, he, he got it done. And then when you look at Lawrence Taylor, and for me, you know, being a Jets fan growing up in New York, you know, my dad was a Giants fan or is a Giants fan. And so every Sunday it was the one o'clock game was the Jets. The four o'clock game was the Giants or vice versa. So I watched Lawrence Taylor play literally every game because my dad and I would watch every football game. We'd be we'd get our heroes. We'd make our sandwich, get the loaf of Italian bread, get the cold cuts, sit down, watch the game. That's what we did. And so I had a front row seat every week to watch Lawrence Taylor. And you, you mentioned it earlier. He revolutionized that position. And uh -huh. it, 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 not only, you know, you can say, well, that player revolutionized the position. And then this player came along. 
not only did he revolutionize the player, he's still the greatest player to ever do it. Uh-huh. Even though, what's it say? So, so, uh, so many imitators are copiers. Yeah, a lot of people have copied his game, but nobody's been able to perfect it like Lawrence Taylor has. Uh-huh. Right. And all the kids and everybody wants to say, right, you got to go to a big school. He went to North Carolina. It wasn't big football school. Right? Come out of North Carolina, and he tore it up uh, right from the get-go. And he just changed. He was – we talked about Dick Butkus being fearsome. Lawrence Taylor, you ran for your life. Like, you were afraid uh, to get to get hit by Lawrence Taylor and get sacked by Lawrence. He was just a menace. And I, I, one of the biggest credits that you can give Lawrence Taylor is – as far as I know, this is the only time I've I've heard about this. And maybe other coaches have done it for other players. But Bill Walsh, when he would scheme and play the Giants on the whiteboard, he wouldn't put an X. He wrote 56 on the whiteboard. When he was game planning for a player, he got that much respect that he actually put the number. It wasn't an X. Mm-hmm. And he talked about, well, if this is what Lawrence Taylor is going to do, 56. If that is not the ultimate sign of respect for a football player, that he is not considered an X on the field, he gets his number on the whiteboard and circled. Mm-hmm. Because you had to know it. Everybody on the 49ers offense had to know where 56 was. Because if he didn't, he was going to beat you. And that is the ultimate sign of respect that they say, on the defensive side of the ball, one player can beat you. And that was the type of play Lawrence Taylor was. One man could beat you on that football field because he could just own that game and take it over. Yeah. So that's the ultimate compliment I can give you. We can go into stat statistics. But for me, why Lawrence Taylor in my heart is number one is that nobody's been able to produce what he's been able to produce in that position. And the game planning that teams had to do for him on the defensive side of the ball was just ridiculous. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. I didn't know the story about Bill Walsh. Uh, but absolutely knew that teams specifically game plan uh, for Lawrence Taylor, away from Lawrence Taylor, right? Uh, and, and well-revered amongst his teammates. Parcell loves him to death, right, okay. who was his coach there. Um, you know, we, we, we went way in on Lawrence Taylor, which is good because he's deserving of that top spot. Um, Ray Lewis at number two, as I said, if Lawrence Taylor isn't there, he is undeniably the greatest linebacker to ever play the game. And to some, he may be number one over, over Lawrence Taylor. And, and I can see how uh, when you talk about he had 2,277 tackles. <laughs> right. I mean, think about that for a minute. Over 2,000, over 2,200 tackles, and he's not I, number one. Absolutely. I mean, you, you talk about an inspirational leader, right? They didn't need the the head coach to give the pregame pep talk, right? They didn't need the head coach or the defensive coordinator to gather the defense around, right? It was all Ray Lewis, right? You didn't need to hype up coming out of the tunnel. We know the Ray Lewis dance coming out of the tunnel, right? Uh, it, it, it was just who he was as a leader. I mean, you know, some of the things that people hear now, and, you know, you may hear – may have heard during his uh, induction speech, right? The the passion that he has, the passion that he lives by even today, right, with his mentorship, that's not fake. That That's what was happening in the huddle. That's what was happening in the locker room, right? Uh, I really do believe he earned the title of the greatest middle linebacker of all time. Yes. Right? Yes. Which that in itself. 
I'm going to give you something that's a little crazy, right? Because okay. we all know names now, right? Uh, because we're talking the era, the post Super Bowl era, right, or the post exhibition game era. We we all you kill me with that every time you say it. But we we all know that. So here's a name, JJ Stokes. You remember JJ Stokes, the wide receiver, 49ers. That is correct. That is correct. He he wasn't originally a 49er. He was drafted by the Browns slash Ravens and was traded for Ray Lewis. No. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I had no idea. Yes. You mean the 49ers traded for J.J. Stokes and traded away Ray Lewis? Was that a draft day trade or something? That is correct. And there, there were other players that were involved in this trade. Nobody of significance. J.J. Stokes has got to have an ego. No, no disrespect to the guys that were traded out. <laughs> that just came out the wrong way, right? But no no household names, we'll say, as far as part of that trade. Yes. Yes. Now, if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, they've done a great job at getting linebackers, right? They had Patrick Willis, another name of a great linebacker who played in this league. But you had Ray Lewis. Do you look in your rearview mirror and say, man, I couldn't I had J.J. Stokes and I had Ray Lewis. And I decided that I wanted J.J. Stokes. I thought you were going to make a joke about J.J. Stokes coming over the middle to catch. And that's the last time that J.J. Stokes was on the football field. I had no idea. Holy cow, I can't believe I did not know a draft day trade, J.J. Stokes for, for Ray Lewis. The Please. ego that J.J. Stokes has, yeah, I got, you know, 49 <laughs> is traded for me over Ray Lewis. You know, that's how good I was. Yeah. Right? Like, wow. And, you know, what What ended up coming back in return for that was a 17-year, 249-game player, Right. 33 interceptions, 43 and a half sacks. I guess sacks is not as important from a middle linebacker position as it would be from the edge, like right. with Derek yep. Thomas. Uh, but the fact of the matter, you had 2,277 tackles, right? A 10-year or 10-time All-Pro and a 13-year Pro Bowler. Two-time Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Uh, yeah. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that he went to the U – Right. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that that happened, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that that happened, uh, maybe he would have been with my Seminoles and then he would have been even higher. Right. Uh, and it's funny. One, one last thing on Ray Lewis. Uh, when I was looking at it, I was like, who did my bills take in this year? Two picks before we take Eric Moulds. Who I love Eric Moles to death. Way better than JJ Stokes, let me tell you. <laughs> Way better. I, I mean, I'm mull- 10 times better than JJ Stokes. I was like, oh man, we got a shot to go get Ray Lewis. Do, do you happen to look at who the Jets picked that year? I did not. Okay. Did not. We, can, we can look that up. But that, that was a great draft. Oh no, I know who you took that year. You had the number one pick that year. Check the Keyshawn draft? Out of the wide receiver, out of the University of Southern California. Keyshawn. With the number one pick. How do you like that? I, You know, I don't think my Bills ever had the number one pick. Maybe once when we first came in the league. Okay. So, but let me, you know, <laughs> stop for, for Lawrence Taylor because we talked about, but you know, defensive players of the year. One thing on that, yeah. you didn't even go winless to get that number one pick. That's how good we were. 
We didn't have to go winless. We went one of fifteen with Rich Kotite. Is that you painful almost, enough? You almost went winless here. And in, in, I guess you guys didn't want the honor of having the number one pick. Hey, no, Trevor Lawrence. We didn't want Trevor Lawrence, so it was just easy enough not to, to take all the pressure off the Jets. Makes sense. Makes right. sense. Right. That's Woody coming back into the fold, saying, "Look, guys, we got to change stuff around." But but and, and also the the list I want to say about but LT the original LT is when we talked about defensive players of the year and we talked about how hard it is to get one, let alone get two, he had three mm-hmm. defensive players of the year, mm-hmm. right? And I won't mention the Pro Bowls because, I mean, he, he went to double-digit Pro Bowls, right? But three-time defensive player of the year, he's the only one uh, on the, on the, in the linebackers that have done it three times, too, to, to add to his credit. So when, you, when we talk about – I'm not saying Ray Lewis is not better because he didn't get the third one. Sure, but it, it it does make when you it does to me it does make a little bit of a difference that maybe helps solidify Lawrence Taylor as the greatest linebacker in the history of the game that he was a three time defensive player of the year, uh, besides just revolutionizing that that position that defense and and I'm not a Giants fan by any imagination but when you got to see him play week in and week out he was just he was so much fun to watch and it just drove me nuts because he wasn't a jet. Right. And, and th- th- you wished you had somebody of that talent level on your team. Like, can you imagine him playing with Madden in his prime, getting to play with Lawrence Taylor on Madden in like today's game. Oh my God. It would be so much fun fantasy draft or make a ridiculous trade to get him on your team. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you when LT and I think you hit on that a little bit is that, as a fan of the opposition, right now, thankfully, you know, different conference. So we uh, we only saw you once every four years, right? Except if it was in 1990 where we saw you twice. Um, but when when you think about it, if you were able to get through the game and you were able to limit the damage that he caused, that was a win. Sure. <laughs> right. So when your quarterback is out there and you see him coming around the edge and you get that pass up, you're like, oh, thank goodness, right? And you look at that stat line at the end of the day, if you're able to hold him off uh, from any sacks or, or in blowing up any plays, that was a huge victory because yeah. you feared, as a fan, you feared that, right? We talked about, it. as a fan, we feared what Dan Marino would do, right? Sure. Yep. As a fan, going against the Giants, just like Bill Walsh writing on the board, as a fan, we're thinking about we have got to stop Lawrence Taylor, right? Make sure that that doesn't happen. You know, the funny thing, one, one funny story about um, uh, Lawrence Taylor, not a story, it's more of a play on the field that NFL Films captured, and, and it was against the Jets, and he comes along the side, and he sacks Ken O'Brien, and he and the way he sacks him, he puts him down, he they, like takes a knee right over him and says, son, you all got to do better than this. And it was like the most iconic because NFL films captured because he was biked. And it's just such a great line. And, oh, God. And, that, and he's right. We couldn't do anything to stop the guy. He's a menace. But it's just the funniest. It's just a true classic line that got caught on film uh, with the microphone. And forget yep. Lawrence Taylor. So, CBD, we have our list. We have our, our top 10, LT at number one, Lawrence Taylor. We have Ray Lewis, then Junior Seau, Derek Brooks from Linebacker U at Florida State. Uh, we have Willie Lanier. <laughs> we have Mike Singletary, 
Ted Hendricks, Jack Lambert, uh, the late Derek Thomas, and rounding out that 10, we have Dick Buckus. Um, I like the list. I, you know, we, we went back and forth, made some changes, but I like the list. The good thing, and maybe it just shows how in tune we are, right? There, there was very little changes that we had to make to the list. Uh, when we shared what we had put together, we were like, yeah. wow, you know, kind of spot on. Very little debate. We head into the defensive backs list for our next show, uh, talking about not only the corners but the safeties. But because the list could be so big, right, you could almost have split it off into two separate shows. Uh, what we've decided to do is do the top five, which I think makes it even harder because who is coming in at number six that isn't deserved of three, four, or five, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is going to make it hard um, when you look at all the different players that could come in there. I already know who number one is, right? Nate Clements is number one. Nate Odoms is number two. Uh, so, you know, you, you can start with three, four, five. Uh, if you want to do an Antoine Winfield or Jeff Burris, I can, I can definitely understand that. Probably Rebus in at number five. That, that, that sounds about right early. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Are you talking about the all-time Buffalo Bill? No, no. I I said that you know Revis probably comes in at five. So I, I, that that's just me without doing any homework yet. Yeah, I think once I do the homework, yeah, I think you got to do some homework. But it, it may change. It, it just going to throw out there. I, I I know Prime Time is saying what? So uh, that, that's what I was talking about. Prime is that at number six? It's so hard to you know you're at number six and who do you take off between the three, four, and five? Right, wow. so it, it, it you know that could happen. I mean, wait till obviously, we obviously not number one in your heart. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait till we get to the safety, and you got Kurt Schultz and Henry Jones. And, you know, I mean, my... <laughs> yeah, Stevie D. Well, the safeties are going to be great for the Jets. So uh, we we got some people in in that top five. Yeah, buddy, that's one the green and white. So I'm, I can't wait for the safeties list. <laughs> so. Um, uh, but no, all seriousness, it, it's, it is a hard, really hard because, and, and I don't know if you can create, you can't do, cause it's DBs, right? So kind of like what you said. And you, so in fairness, we split it out just to do the top five. Um, uh, you could probably, yeah, I, I think the top five is, is probably the best way to go. And it's, and it's going to be hard. There's going to be some hard cuts there at six. Yes. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, some people are going to be like, what, but. It is and, what it and is. then, once we're done with the DBs, we'll have one week to go until training camp. And we have a surprise, a special show. Uh, we're not going to leak any information on that. Um, but th- that one is kind of fun for us because we talk about that all the time. Yeah, the top 10 Jet coaches of all time. You weren't supposed to say anything. And, and that wasn't really a, a hard list to do. Adam Gase at number one. <laughs> Number two, Rich Kotai at two. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know. I mean, when you're talking about the worst coach in, in Jets history, you know how we talk about one and one A or one B. I mean, it's a it's a toss up. The problem is that Gates went on a you know he had a good second half in the in the in the first year, so it kind of skews how bad he really was. But Rich Kotai is in a whole class of his own. And when you think about it from a Buffalo Bills perspective of all time, like two worst coaches of all time, who who would be in in your top two? Like uh, I know who mine are. 
Doug Marone and Kay Stevenson. I don't know him. What, what, what era was he from? 1980, what was he, 84? Was he before Marv? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, like, right before Marv. Or was there somebody before Marv? So he was before Marv. After Marv, uh, Duran and... Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duran and, uh, and Marone were definitely... I like Chan Gailey. I really did. Um, and I like Rex. I, I did like Rex. Uh, Rex prior to the McDermott era, obviously, right? The one thing that I have, and I, I'm not going to belabor it, yeah, but I think this goes for all teams, right? Rex was rebuilding, but the expectations that either he set, the organization set, the fans set, did not jive with the rebuilding of the defense, right? Now, there were some other things that went along with that. Rex's antics really were his downfall. And his he gets you wears out quickly when you're not winning football games. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Uh, but I think scheme wise, right? If Rex wanted to go back to a coordinator like he was in Baltimore, I think he'd do a great job, right? Because oh, so do I. Yes. He, he wouldn't have that that same level of media attention, and so you know they would just look at him. That's that guy over there. Don't well, worry. That's all he concentrated on. That, that's the problem with the Jets. He only cared about the defense. He, yes. he you heard it in hard knocks. Right, the defense has got to pick up the offense, and it's like, no, dude, yep. why are you even talking about that? Right, it's in a preseason game. Why don't you just? <sighs> so it's frustrating like that. That it was always about the defense, and he didn't pay attention. As a coach, you got to be the coach of all three areas. You can't focus in on the one; it just doesn't work. That's right. So, that's right. Yeah. So right. that that's going to wrap this show up. Uh, again, we we always recommend and and would appreciate if you give us a like, give us a subscribe. Uh, you know, listen to us on uh, the on your podcast as you're driving into work, or you know, you're just laying out at the beach, or here in Florida, it's just raining nonstop. Uh, but you know, you can listen to the podcast. You can also watch us on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, you know, send us a tweet uh, at Real OW Sports. Let us know what you think about the list. You know, we've done the offense, we've done the defensive line, now we've done the linebackers. Uh, dare I challenge our, our listeners? Uh, or our watchers to kind of put together your top 10, right, and see how we mix up. Maybe we have a little bit of a debate. We know that Jay had gone out on the limb with his top six quarterbacks. Remember that one? That was an epic fail, right? Remember, remember that term, epic fail? Well, that, that was an epic fail, yeah. Jay. But we still love you, Jay. We like you going out on a limb, uh, and we can't can't deny your passion for uh, Carson Wentz. But uh, for Stevie D., I'm Vince, and we'll talk to you soon.